Hello and welcome to The Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. On today's episode, we're turning our gaze to Thailand to meet two founders in the retail space who are navigating the challenges and opportunities that come with expansion. How do you create reasons for people to come together and connect? And how do you provide the space and allow them to really feel like they can be comfortable and that they belong here. And Monocle's Bangkok-based Asia editor reflects on how savvy Thai entrepreneurs are bouncing back post-pandemic. You do see entrepreneurs coming up with some very interesting businesses, whether that's in mobility or, you know, even things like vending machines. So there's a lot happening here. This is The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to a special Thailand edition of The Entrepreneurs. James Chambers is Monocle's Asia editor, and he joins me now from Bangkok. James, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. James, I wanted to give listeners a sense of the situation for entrepreneurs in Thailand right now. The country's economy is geared around international tourism and was particularly hard hit by the pandemic, of course. The world wasn't travelling. How are businesses there recovering? Thailand suffered a lot. But now that's changed. People are flocking back to Thailand. You know, the country's opened its doors. You know, there's a lot of optimism and positivity on the streets. There's a lot of projects uh, that were on hold that are now happening. You know, I speak to architects quite a lot, and they've got a very, very busy pipeline. And you do see a lot of entrepreneurs coming up with some very interesting businesses, whether that's in mobility or even things like vending machines. So there's a lot happening here. A political question, James, I'm afraid. Why don't you set the scene for us? It's certainly fairly complex. One of the things you get to learn about Thailand when it comes to politics here is that it's always going up and down. There's this constant pull and push and and, and tug of war between, I guess, the Democrats and the politicians, the elected politicians, and the military. We are expecting protests to happen in the next week or so in Bangkok if things don't go according to plan for the most popular party move forward. But what's different here is that people almost like price it in in Thailand. They're very used to these kind of disturbances. And it's very different, or it it has been uh, in recent history, to the protests we've seen in Paris. Things don't get as ugly as quickly as they do in Europe. You know, it doesn't cause the same amount of disruption. But, I mean, the most important thing for Thailand, given its reliance on tourism, is that if anything happens on a scale that puts off people from visiting the country, you know, that would be a disaster. But at the moment, there is a sense of optimism. Things are recovering after the pandemic. Tourists are coming back in large numbers. There's a sense of hope. There's a sense of change. There's a sense that the younger generation, it's their time. The older generation is on the way out. But what we will see over the next few weeks is how much power the establishment and the old order has left and how much disruption they can cause. But, you know, things are changing here. It might not be this week, it might not be the next week, but there's a sense that, you know, eventually Thailand is going to change. 
Well, that's a good optimistic note to seamlessly take us to our first founder interview here on a special Thailand edition of The Entrepreneurs. Tom Edwards here, joined by Monocle's Asia editor, James Chambers, based in Thailand. James, one Thai business that caught your eye since you moved to Bangkok is The Commons, part gathering place, part mall and community centre. It certainly proved to be a big hit with families, foodies and with shoppers alike. You recently spoke to the co-founder, Vishiri Vishit Vadakan, for the magazine. I wonder, though, what made the location and her story jump out at you first? So I spent the last eight years in Hong Kong. And the economy in Hong Kong is dominated by a few families that own a lot of property. And those families have a bit of a stranglehold on the Hong Kong economy. So if you're not part of that family, you've got very little chance of developing any kind of startup that requires physical space. What was interesting moving to Thailand, moving to Bangkok, is that This city still has a lot of dominant families, but there is still space for entrepreneurs to start something on their own. And when it came to the commons, the owners, the founders, the entrepreneurs, they they don't own these sites. They found these sites. They were got chatting with the landlord and managed to build something together. So it's kind of a great example of what can still be achieved in Bangkok that perhaps is out of reach for a lot of people in Hong Kong. A family business. Love that. Let's hear from her now, James. This is The Commons co-founder, Vishiri Vishit Vadakan. We really want to be a community first, and the mall is really a byproduct of what we built. When we started The Commons seven years ago, it was really to try to promote being able to live in a wholesome way in the city. And so we wanted to create a space where people could come and like experience good food, good drinks, and, you know, be able to take care of themselves by exercising or spending time with the people you love. We have a kids space here so that families can come together. We also have a lot of workshops and activities that we try to bring the community together so that if you're interested in learning something new, you can come here and meet other people who have the same interests. So wanted to provide that wholesome experience, bring people together. And then on the vendor side, we also wanted to be a gathering ground for a lot of smaller vendors, entrepreneurs who really have a passion or care about their product, but they might not want to be, they can't afford to be in a big mall. So we wanted to be a gathering ground for these really passionate vendors and, you know, have them together and be in the same place where customers can enjoy in an environment where it's a little bit closer to nature as well, not in like an air-conditioned room. You started the business with your brother. What is it like building a business with family uh, and how do you make it work? (laughs) Yeah, well, a lot of people would warn us that, you know, it's tough to work with family, but I have to say that we've been very lucky. Like the two of us, we've worked together very well. I think we complement each other well. And, you know, when, when we don't agree on something and we do sometimes have disagreements, but we also, we always had the rule from the beginning that we would always be open and talk through things and, you know, share and try to come to a compromise. So it's been good working together. And we've, in the first, I think, seven years, we pretty much did everything together. But 
with COVID and a lot of things that we had to pivot and change, we've had to separate a bit more and focus on the different divisions. So he's taking care of the food side now, and I'm focused mainly on the lifestyle side. And actually, it's not just my brother. My father, his background is in investment banking. So he's sort of our financial advisor. So family dinners, we try our best to not talk about work at the dinner table, but we often will have a huddle on the side and talk about work until like my mom would call us and be like, "Okay, enough work. You have to come over." There are some industries which are easier to enter for entrepreneurs. Other industries have much higher barriers. Anything to do with property is pretty difficult, and you don't hear about many shopping mall operators opening up unless they're a big property developer. I mean, what's the story with you guys and your first space here in Tong Lo? How did you get your first big break? It was a very big dream, and we were probably very naive coming into this. A lot of people think that we own the land, but we actually don't even own the land. So the dream really came up from wanting to create this space, wanting to have a community space in Bangkok, wanting to have a gathering ground for passionate vendors, and we got lucky in that. This Land at Tong Law became available, and when it became available, the two of us came to take a look at the plot, and we love this area because we also grew up in this area in this neighborhood, so we know the area well, and we love that it's a little bit set back from Tong Law. It's not right smack on Tong Law with the hustle and bustle of Tong Law. It's a little bit set back, but it's a beautiful and like very accessible. Area now, the landowner actually had multiple offers from big developers, even like the community malls around the area, who wanted the bigger chains, who wanted this land, and everyone was offering her like so much more. But um, she also had this connection with this land, and when she heard our dream of wanting to create a space like this, she really wanted to support us. So we got lucky; we got a break in that she decided to give us the land, even though we didn't have. The biggest budget for her at all, and she ended up being one of our major investors too. Because, as you mentioned, like going into property is difficult, and we had the land. We were able to get 60% of tenants confirmed. We had a beautiful building designed by our architect, but then we actually couldn't get funding for the building for the longest time. We applied for loans from banks, but they all turned us down because they said that. You know, why are you building all this space, but you have so little leasable area? What is all this common area going to be used for? Like, it makes no sense. And they also asked us, like, why don't we have a McDonald's? Why don't we have a Starbucks? And so we we ended up not getting any loans from banks at all, and we had to spend six to nine months just reaching out to individual investors, angels who believed in what we were trying to build. And the landowner was one of the major investors that helped us out. You opened your second site mm-hmm. for the Commons in early 2020. Early 2020, 20. about two weeks before COVID hit. Diffi- a difficult time. <laughs> but how did you go about finding that site? I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned that you had a actually a very personal connection to this area, mm-hmm. but you know, Saladang is very different. I mean, what were you looking for for your second location? So my first job out of school was actually at this company that was right on that street. 
on Sagareng Soi One. So I worked there for several years. So even though I didn't grow up in that area, I sort of had some connection to the area. But unlike this space, our first location, the second opportunity really came up from just one individual investor who came to us and said that there's this land that's available, and they wanted to help us invest and build a second location. Has it been easy? To follow the same formula and just essentially ship it to a different site, mm. or how much of the original design of your first site in Tonglo had to be changed? Mm, yeah, so I think. When we think of different locations, we don't actually want to just copy and paste the same thing. So I think the only things that we want to really bring to our new locations is maybe the spirit of providing a wholesome way of living here in Bangkok or supporting local entrepreneurs. But other than that, we really don't want it to be. The same. So architecturally, we might want it to have still have the semi-outdoor space or have lots of greenery in the space, but we don't want the architecture to look the same. So we actually um, we worked with the same architect, but he really designed it in a different way with inspiration from that neighborhood. So Saladang means red roof. And so that was really the inspiration for the building there that has multiple red roofs there. So, in terms of the programming too, I think we really want to adapt it to each location so that it really serves the customers or people in that area. Right now, Saladang, we've learned over the past two, three years that the mix is different from Tongla. The customers there are looking for something else too. So it's a lot more F&B driven compared to Tongla, that has more of a mix of some retail. Lifestyle, and there it's more F and B at the moment. And I think when we go to future locations, we'll probably carry that same thought of trying to localize or trying to see what would be best for that community. Shopping malls and bricks and mortar retail in general have been struggling in a lot of countries around the world. Thailand, not so much, and, and certainly not here. In the commons in Tong Law, I mean, what is your secret? How do you keep people wanting to come back? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. You know, I think in a lot of places, shopping malls struggle. But I think with the debate of whether you know brick and mortar is dead, I really don't think it is because I think there still is always um, sort of a desire for people to come out and connect. And so maybe the very traditional, just going to buy things, that might. Be a thing of the past, but I think there's still opportunity for every brand to sort of tell their story, how they're unique, their purpose, and really have build an experience or create an experience that will attract customers. And I think for the commons or for community malls, I think it's really about how do you connect people, how do you provide opportunities for people who have the same interests or the same life uh, in the same life stage. How do you encourage them to meet? So I think the secret is about how do you create reasons for people to come together and connect, and how do you provide the space and allow them to really feel like they can be comfortable and that they belong here. You have things like a pet shop. You have, as you said, a children's play room. Mm-hmm. You have a kitchen and a yoga studio and a gym. Yeah. And a lot of F&B. Is there a, one of those elements that is the most important as a magnet or is it mm. mixing them all together? Well, I think the market downstairs where we have a lot of food vendors, I think that 
is probably what people see as our anchor. So you can come here with a group of friends and you can really experience quality food and you don't have to decide what to have. Each person can have their own or whatever they feel like. So I think that is um, sort of our anchor, but I would say that the commons will not be complete with just the market. So having the different elements not just completes the commons, but it allows traffic to be stable throughout the day and night. So if we only had F&B and only people coming to hang out late at night, then during the day, the place would be sort of, I guess, sad. But because we have Little P, we're Parents bring their families, you know, for play groups in the morning. We have the Pilates studio and the cycling studio. So a lot of people come and work out all throughout the day. And all these different components, I think, creates that sort of balance from day to night. It's what makes it feel sort of like lively throughout the day. Before you came back to Bangkok and set up the Commons, you spent a lot of time in the U.S. where you were working in retail. I mean, what lessons did you bring back from the U.S. with you? I think from working in retail in the U.S., I I worked for L Brands for Bath and Body Works, and part of my job was to travel to all different stores and to try to test new products, and whether it be new products or new ways of merchandising, and then reading sort of the results from these test stores. So I had an opportunity to travel all across the U.S., and I went to so many malls. And I think, you know, and a lot of those malls are what you mentioned earlier about the mall. Some of them are really old, rundown malls that are dying. So I went to a lot of dying malls in the U.S. and sort of in the Midwest, too. And I could see what didn't work there or how the things that I wanted to create here that would be different, having not just all leasable area, no common space. So some of those things I took from traveling there a lot. But also I think another thing that I took away from my time in retail is I remember that my boss used to say retail in a way is like, it's not like reading a book, but it's more like watching a movie. So you really have to think of every component in the experience from what you hear, what you see, what you touch, what you smell and thinking and don't really actually don't leave a lot to the imagination, but really try to create the experience that will immerse the customer. And so I think some of the things that I learned from there, I think, helped me in building the experience here for the commons in terms of what I want the customer journey to be like, what the customers would see and touch and feel and how that would make them feel, actually. And finally, looking towards the future, what's next for the commons? You have two sites. Is there a third on the way, a fourth, a fifth? There's actually a third on the way, but COVID has taught us a lot. So I think I have learned that maybe the commons should grow in a way that we become more asset light. So I think instead of trying to find the land, rent the land, raise money to build and do everything myself, I think I've realized that what I really love doing is the curation part. So thinking about the concept, thinking about what products, what services to have in the space, um, building the experience, and then actually activating it. So creating these events, having these all these activities that bring people together is what my team and I love doing, and it's what we really want to continue to do. So we need to find partners who have the land and have the money. <laughs> and so I think the future model going forward is that we'll be more asset light. We will find partners that have a similar 
mindset or values and then you know, maybe grow with them in their land, in their buildings. But then we bring in the software, we bring in the programming and we activate the space and we operate it. That was Vishri Vishit Vadakan, co-founder of The Commons, speaking to Monocle's own James Chambers. You can find out more by heading to thecommonsbkk.com. This is a special Thailand edition of The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards, joined from Bangkok by our Asia editor, James Chambers. James, we just heard from a community mall entrepreneur. Let's turn now to a menswear business that's expanding into malls and aims to be a lifestyle brand. Tell us about this one, The Decorum. Decorum is one of those kind of menswear stores that is really upholding sartorial standards in this part of the world. And it's a place where you go to get a nice tailored suit or a quality pair of leather shoes. And Thai men, specifically in Bangkok, they do still spend a lot of money on looking good. Even though it's sweltering here, most people spend all their time in air conditioning. And so they do wear multiple layers and you do see a lot of well-dressed men on the streets. And decorum, I guess, is one of the most popular places for men who want to buy nice clothing. They have a, a wonderful flagship store in a neighborhood called Ari, but the founder guy has got the confidence to expand the business and they're already in Singapore um, and they've opened two more shops in Bangkok this year. I guess the controversial thing from his point of view is that he's gone from being on the street level and he's gone inside of the shopping malls and that is a recognition that actually most retail does happen inside these gigantic air-conditioned malls. So the challenge that he faces is how to recreate that same atmosphere and the same vibe that he has in his Ari flagship and translate it into a mall setting. And he's just opening his newest store. He has the grand opening this month. It'll be interesting to see whether he can capture the same decorum vibe in that setting. It sure will. Let's hear from him now. This is the Decorum co-founder, Guy Riddiprasad. At the very beginning, I was amateur in the game. We started off with a shirt brand called Kamakura Shirts. It's a very affordable price and very high quality, and it's Japanese. So um, I, I traveled a lot to Japan as well. And then um, I found out and I, I contacted Kamakura Shirts. And then, um, you know, actually they never wholesale to anyone. But then um, I think I, when, when I was into something, I tried to know like, who's the owner, why it happens and all that. And I think Japan's being Japan. So I met them and I pitched my ideas and, and then suddenly the owner said, oh, let you try it. But I think in Japan, people kind of understand and the values like, you know, if you love their brands and then they tend to value that more. And luckily, like a small guy like me, we order started off 100 shirts. That's how I started. And, you know, from one shirt and then we expanded. But then we remain committed to only coming up with shirts everywhere we open the store. So that's the only brand that we carry for, for dress shirts. This year seems to be a particularly big one in mm-hmm. terms of expansion. Can you talk us through the decision to expand from, I guess, your your street level shop mm. to go into shopping malls? Yes, we have grown a lot over the past years. We have become quite successful and um, I want to move into the next steps, you know, for my staff and my team. I want them to grow as well. So I have to expand my business. So I find that it's a good opportunities. 
But the issue is that we have always been good outside of the mall in terms of running things. I think, you know, in terms of salesperson, in terms of our staff, they're more comfortable in these kind of environments. And people who comes in here, our customers who visit here, it's more like community. So it's always um, good. But how do we copy or how do we bring that environment to the um, department stores or to the mall? That's difficult. How do you want to grow to like, you know, more commercial space and not be too commercial? I think that's very difficult. And we have to make sure that we're not going to fall into, you know, super commercial. We'll always continue to do events or hopefully we'll bring some artists from Japan to do some art exhibition as well. So we, we try to do different things to make sure that we remain a lifestyle beyond just wanting to sell stuff, I think. Because eventually, I think our business, I think it's important that you have to remain in the heart of customers, in the heart of people, that as long as they love us, then we can sustain the business. And, and I think that's, that's the key. You've also added another concept to your menswear yes. group, the mm-hmm. Club Luminaries, yes. which is where we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. It's just almost opposite your flagship in Ari. Right. Can you tell us what Club Luminaries is and why you decided to open up this store? Mm-hmm. So Club Luminaries, it's something that I have passion as well. I go to, sorry, I mentioned a lot of Japan because I, I'm a Japanophile as well. You know, every time you go to Japan, you can see that one, two companies that they, they do classics and they, they also be able to do something that's totally different, uh, do something that's fun as well. I think men's, men's are like that. I feel, I feel like we can have something that we can be super, not stuffy, but we can wear suits. And on our day off, we enjoy something that's fun as well and you know, something that's more, more playful in that sense. And I feel that I want to try it like from a very stuffy store to like, what if I try to do something that's different? And then I think people were quite surprised as well that people thought of it just classic. But then if, you know, back 20 years before I dress up in a suit and all that, I, we were young before. So we, we wear this kind of stuff as well. How would you describe the style? What kinds of um, brands are you carrying here? Um, the style is it's heavily um, Americans and Japanese. The decorum is like very classic, but then um, luminaries. We want to kind of like make sure that it's an outshoot. So the core itself is very preppy. It's very American. So we have rugby shirts and then there's um, Americana style, like, you know, vintage and all that. Something that I like and then combined with, you know, Japanese Amitura style. Whether it's for decorum or for club luminaries, how do you go about discovering new brands? And I think one of our key success factors is that we find the brands that produce quality goods, but at the very reasonable price. That's how we started. We don't care about the brands, the big brands, but we make sure that the quality of the um, stitches and everything is good. And then we find that point and we marketize it. That's how we become successful in the beginning. You know, the bigger you get, of course, that sometimes you have to find a mixed blend that, that support. You might have to have some big names in. But I think eventually the core to success, at least for my store, is that fine quality with the price that makes sense. And for here, I feel like in terms of financially, maybe it's, um, you know, it's not as big as the decorum, but it's something that I think it's elevated the total image of them. The decorum is how that we cover different lifestyle, but it's still one person that can wear suits and someday they can wear polo and rugby shirts as well, complement each other. But sometimes it's not about just making money, money. 
it's the image and how people think of you that will keep you alive in terms of business. That's just, just for me. Like um, many other kind of select shops, Decorum does have or is developing its own brand. Right. Um, you, what's the story behind that? We have fun. I think we, we feel that we have built our image um, amongst the locals quite well. So we decided that why not do our own thing? And it turns out that our price point is a bit higher than typical local brands. I think they have trusted us in terms of qualities, even though we're, we're based in Thailand, but some of our stuff are made in Japan as well. And I think people still, they understand the, the value and the design. So I think it's still the same formula that we make sure that we find the, the right manufacturer, right quality, and then we offer them at, um, it's not cheap, but a reasonable price. And finally, in the future, mm-hmm. will every major city in Southeast Asia get a decorum or, <laughs> or what's the plan? <laughs> well, in the future, um, hopefully, part of me that I always enjoy doing different things in different cities that I like, maybe we'll do something. If not, you know, retailer, we'll do something that, that's more lifestyle. My goal right now is that once I finish opening up my stores in Bangkok, we have to do something about Singapore. We, hopefully we can, you know, expand the community expand and not losing our core or our principle. I think that's that's the key and, and hopefully it will work somewhere else as well. Guy Richie Prasad, thank you for joining us on Monocle Radio. <laughs> thanks, Guy. And thanks again to James Chambers for joining us on this special edition of the programme. You can learn more about The Decorum, by the way. Just head to thedecorumbkk.com. And that's it for this special Thai-themed episode of The Entrepreneurs. Do be sure to pick up the July issue of Monocle magazine for more inspirational stories from across Thailand and to see what else James Chambers has been getting up to across the region. The programme was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Tamsin Howard. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out in the meantime for Eureka coming your way every Friday. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com too. You can also follow us and delve into the archive at your preferred podcast platform. If you want to get in touch with the team, email Laura. She's on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.